Right now, Arizona is ground zero for the election battle with two major events happening today. First, the biggest news, Arizona has certified the results of the election. Governor Doug Ducey has signed off on this, and many conservatives are calling him out saying, you said you would not certify this election while there was pending litigation. And as of right now in Arizona, there isn't any, as far as I can tell. Now, the Trump administration has said they do want to file. As of right now, there's none. So Doug Ducey certifies. I could tell you that Trump is playing 4D chess and he has a grand plan for how he's going to pull some some victory off. But I'm not entirely convinced. However, there is still some interesting goings on with the other story coming out of Arizona. Right now, there is a hearing going on with a lot of discussion about, say, Maricopa County, Arizona, the elections, witnesses coming forward, making some pretty bold accusations about fraud. Giuliani has called on the state legislature to reclaim their power and choose to appoint electors as they see fit. So in that regard, does it even really matter if states certify at this point? Technically, no. I mean, for the longest time, I was saying Trump's main play would be to get these states to not certify, but that maybe doesn't even matter. The Supreme Court recognizes, as per the Constitution, that state legislatures have the power to appoint electors, and it doesn't matter what anyone else says. This was actually part of a segment done by Fareed Zakaria I covered a few days ago. It's actually a fairly old segment where he said, if the state legislatures say we're appointing electors, then it doesn't matter what a governor or a secretary of state says in terms of their electors. You might get competing groups of electoral votes, in which case, come January 6th, objections are raised and votes are discarded. This is what's crazy about it. It seems like the date just keeps sliding back. At first, it was like, all that really matters is December 8th, the safe harbor deadline for, you know, finishing off these disputes, getting them resolved. But then it seemed like Trump's lawsuits didn't really matter because he's been, well, reportedly lobbying state legislatures to give him the electoral vote. And Rudy Giuliani literally did just that earlier today in Arizona. Well, then it went to December 14th. Well, that's when the votes are actually cast. But technically, that doesn't matter either because votes are counted on January 6th. And on January 6th, according to the Constitution, in the joint session of Congress, uh, any one of these Congress uh, men or women could raise an objection to the votes. So right now you have Giuliani calling on the Arizona state legislature to take back the power to appoint their uh, 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 their own electors. In Pennsylvania, we're hearing the exact same thing. And then you have Donald Trump talking about Wisconsin and Republicans going after Georgia. Trump only needs three states. Now, to be fair in all of this, I kind of feel like it's the it's the bottom of the ninth. You know, the, the, the home team is down by like six runs. And you got some you, you got some announcers saying like they can still pull it off if they just get a couple RBIs and maybe a grand slam. Yeah, it seems extremely unlikely. But to be fair, as I say, I say it too much, don't I? But if the Republicans just decide in the state legislatures to object, they really can just block this whole thing. And Joe Biden would likely not be president if they did. I got to say, earlier on, I didn't think they would do it without just cause. Now, there is a lot of evidence of fraud, and there's a lot of evidence of widespread irregularities. The media is lying about it, and maybe that's all it takes. Give them an excuse, and the Republicans are going to say, we object. Now, 
Today, as my understanding, should be the last day of a session for the PA state legislature. I don't know if they have enough votes to actually put forth a resolution disputing the results of the election and calling on, you know, they, they, they're saying they're going to take back the power to appoint electors. We will see. I also feel like whatever ends up happening, there's going to be some other legal constitutional loophole announcement where there is some kind of path to victory for Trump. But it remains to be seen. Let's start with what's going on and the most important news. And I got to be honest, kind of the most boring. I'm like, it's not. Look, Donald Trump is roasting the, the Republican governor of Georgia and the secretary of state. They're getting ripped apart by other Republicans, calling on them to resign. You got this hearing going on. But. Oh, the Arizona certification is the legitimate real news. I know it's not as spicy, but we'll talk about that other stuff, too. Before we get started, make sure you have subscribed to YouTube.com slash Timcast IRL. It is, in fact, a different channel from this one. It is my podcast show Monday through Friday, live at 8 p.m. We're going to have an awesome guest tonight talking about unconstitutional lockdowns and the Supreme Court victory. I should say the Supreme Court ruling giving victory to religious groups. So again, check out youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Subscribe, but don't leave this channel just yet. We got to talk about a lot about what's happening here in Arizona and Georgia and Wisconsin. And whether or not these certifications happen, it seems like it's a tremendous long shot for Trump to win. But there is still, you know, the door has it's imagine this. It's 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 uh, Indiana Jones and Trump's running down the boulder behind him and the, the wall's closing. It hasn't closed yet. Trump really can slide through, grab his hat, and make it out. If you want to support this channel, you can also share this video, like, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Let's read the breaking and most important and boring news. Arizona certifies election win for Biden over Trump. CNBC reports, Arizona on Monday certified its presidential election results, delivering another win for President-elect Joe Biden in spite of efforts by allies of Trump to reverse the outcome of the race. The Grand Canyon state certification will hand 11 electoral college votes to Biden, who is projected to clinch 306 such votes nationwide compared with 232 for Trump before signing the canvas document certifying the election. Arizona Secretary of State Katie Hobbs, a Democrat, praised her state for conducting easily the smoothest and most secure election in recent history, even amid the coronavirus pandemic. Despite the unprecedented challenges, Arizonans showed up for our democracy, Hobbs said. You know what I really love the most about these things? It was the most secure. What? Why are you saying that to me? If you came out and you were like, it was reasonably secure, you can't make it perfect, but we did our best, I'd be like, I hear you. But when they come out and you got that guy from the CISA or whatever it's called, cyber infrastructure, and he goes, it was the most and smoothest election, it's most, uh, the most secure and smoothest we've ever had, ever. I'm like, uh, you sounding a little suspicious, dude. Just come out and be reasonable. But when you go to one extreme end, like, no, this was actually the best election we ever did. Meanwhile, you have all of these people testifying about anomalies, mathematical uh, uh, irregularities, voter uh, vote, vo uh, voters literally saying they witnessed fraud. There was one person in the Arizona hearing talking about, I think this was in the Arizona hearing, some dude walking around with a bag of USBs, sticking them into voting machines. What's up with that? You can't. That's not secure. That's the least secure. Now, I'll tell you what was really like facepalm when I was listening to these hearings. Someone said they asked if one person with a USB stick walks in and sticks it in these machines that could compromise the entire election. One machine. And it's basically like, yes. And then everyone like groans like, oh, it's like, yeah, 
It's really hard to secure elections. Now, when I heard that, I'm like, listen, there's always going to be holes. There's always going to be fraud and irregularity and weirdness. The question is, was there too much of it? Was there enough to call into question the entire election? Well, I'll tell you this. I, I have said this over and over again. I do not agree with Trump and his assertion that there was. And that's because I want evidence. I'm not going to just jump the gun and be like, I believe it before I've seen anything. I can tell you at this point, there is enough evidence, not definitive proof to suggest. Yes, in Arizona, Biden won extremely narrowly. And that's one of the issues at play here it was like 0.3%, I think, like 10,000 votes. Well, we've got a ton of irregularities that could have easily altered that many votes. And these aren't being answered for and they're certifying anyway. The Democrats would be wise to actually entertain the Republicans say we're going to go through this. Otherwise, the Republican legislatures, as I've said before, are going to go because we couldn't get these investigated or resolved. We dispute. And that's your fault. And I, agree, I would agree if they do that. Let's read more. Hobbs also took a swipe at the flurry of claims of widespread fraud being spread by Trump and some of his surrogates. This election was conducted with transparency, accuracy and fairness in accordance with Arizona's laws and election procedures, despite numerous unfounded claims to the contrary. Also, you'll, you'll notice something in this. They've they're no longer saying no evidence. Now they're just saying unproven or like no new evidence. It's really something to behold. Governor Doug Ducey, a Republican, lauded his state's handling of the election as well. The system is strong. That's why I have bragged on it so much, Ducey said. This is America and no voter should be disenfranchised. The votes have been tabulated. All 15 counties have certified their results, he added. The certification was conducted at the same time as members of Trump's legal team, led by former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani, alleged an array of unproven conspiracies about election fraud at a hearing in Phoenix. Wait, 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 wait unproven conspiracies. So shouldn't we have an investigation? They were saying for a long time, unsubstantiated, baseless, and no evidence. Now they're just saying it's not proven. Well, I got news for you. It is not the job of the person who hears the woman screaming in the gunshot to prove it happened. Okay, you're walking down the street, you hear a lady scream, then you hear a bang. It's you call the police. The police, law enforcement, federal agencies come in to do it. I'm not going to go in there and prove it. You, uh, it's an analogy I've used, but let's ramp it up. Could you imagine if you called 911 and said I heard a lady screaming a gunshot? And they'd be like, well, go on in and check to make sure something bad actually happened and then let us know. That's insane. We have seen that there are allegations, there are affidavits, there is evidence. And now where's the FBI? Now, I know, I know. Here's what's coming up. The other day, we got word that uh, vote, the, vote, Matt Brainerd of the Voter Integrity Project said that the FBI proactively requested his data on people who've on, on illegal ballots. He was one. He, he is one of the witnesses or was um, at the Arizona hearing. Now, of course, the response from most people was when I was like, hey, look, the FBI is investigating. They're like, we don't trust the FBI. And I'm like, good point. So now conservatives, I, I, I don't want to name drop anybody because I can't remember who said this. They said, clearly that means that they're just going to shuffle it under the rug and it's going to disappear, right? But Matt Brainerd is keeping the data and he's presenting it in an informal hearing. So at least we get to hear it. That's actually what's the scariest thing about this. Let me, let me read this and explain why the Arizona hearing is actually nightmarish for two different reasons. They say, 
The certification was conducted at the same time as the legal hearing. Giuliani, who has been involved in multiple failed attempts to overturn swing states election results through the courts, urged Republican state legislatures at the hearing to defy Biden's popular vote win and select pro-Trump electors. Quote, what is the right count or how can we get as close to the right count as possible? If we can, then we have the courage that, that he says, if we can, then have the courage to select that person to get the electors because that person won the honest vote, Giuliani said. In history, I swear to God, you will be heroes, Giuliani told the GOP officials at the hearing. If you can't make a determination, then don't certify. They already certified Giuliani. They were certifying as you were speaking. But as I mentioned, and as Fareed Zakaria mentioned, the state legislature is the, the, the true power according to the Constitution. And they could just be like, nah, I object. But I'll tell you what was scary about this. The hearing is taking place not in a state house with no subpoena power, with no formal seal or anything. It's at a Hyatt in Phoenix. Why? Now, when I asked this question about Pennsylvania, they did it in Gettysburg. People said, dude, they did it on purpose to go to Gettysburg. It's the second Gettysburg address, some have said, where they are challenging the corrupt political establishment to take back this country. And I said, OK, sure, I guess. Wouldn't it be great if you had subpoena power and did an actual formal hearing on this stuff? Maybe you should have people swear on, you know, uh, be placed under oath. They're not doing that either. Now, you're not going to tell me that the Hyatt in Phoenix is the is this is the third Phoenix. There's no no, I'm sorry. I, 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 I don't know. I have no idea what's happening. So I'll tell you why it's scary. One. No faith in our institutions, even though there are Republicans leading this. Most people are taking to a Hyatt with no confidence in the actual government. Think about it. I'm sitting here saying I don't have confidence in a hotel meeting. It should be done in an official setting. But regular people are saying back to me, we don't have faith in those meetings. And I've had someone bring up something really interesting. I was reading about the Constitution. I was reading about the Articles of Confederation, the original government of the United States. Like This is like 1774 is when they were putting these things together. The Continental Congress was essentially just a bunch of uh, begrieved individuals who were complaining. They didn't have any formal statutory power or anything like that. But over time, it started to happen. So what we're seeing now, people are telling me is, these, these are people who have no faith in our government institutions. And that's, that's the other thing that's scary about it. The first is, well, uh, uh, there's another, I, yes, I guess basically I probably lost my train of thought. The point is, this is what's kind of scary is that it's not scary in that it's, I think it's the worst thing in the world or it's, or it's really, really bad. It's scary in that people are having these meetings at a hotel and to them it is, it is more legitimate than it would be if it were held in one of these state houses, as it's essentially the, the look with the FBI not doing anything with the DOJ not doing anything with people saying the government's not doing anything. You've got people who are basically in a similar fashion to the Continental Congress holding meetings essentially just as, you know, aggrieved citizens. That's enough because the state legislatures have the power to change everything. That to me is freaky. So anyway, the two points are kind of like the fact that they would disregard the state, uh, the state houses and the subpoena and, and, and the formal process says to me that confidence in the system is breaking. And the other scary thing is that we have a parallel system emerging with censorship emerging 
with people being shut down, with the FBI not not doing anything. People are just taking things into their own hands and having their own meetings and asserting themselves. CNN ran a segment where they claimed Donald Trump was going to form a shadow government. I'm not entirely convinced, you know, well, I shouldn't say I'm not entirely, I think that's ridiculous. But I wouldn't be surprised if Trump just says no, because he's got 73, 74 million supporters. He's got, he's, I'll just leave it at that before getting, you know, crazy. But I will, I do want to point out a few things. We've got a lot of, there's a more, there's more stuff to go through because Trump has made a statement recently. Many people are calling out Ducey because he said he won't accept the results until all lawsuits are settled. But I wonder if he was referring to lawsuits in Arizona. According to Democracy Docket, they say there's just one active case related to this election. They say it's Ward versus Constance, Republican election contest seeking to block certification in Arizona. We do have another active case pertaining to ballot collection, but this goes back to 2016 and it's DNC versus Hobbs and Hobbs is a Democrat. So this has nothing to do with the current election for the most part. This this uh, active case, they actually say that, you know, uh, the petitioner expects to be a party to an action cognizable in this court, but cannot presently bring it to case it uh, bring it or cause it to be brought. So they're not really filing just yet. They're petitioning. And so Ducey was probably like, okay, no lawsuits. I'm going to certify. Right now, the hearing is still going on. They're like coming back from lunch break or whatever. Or they came back a little while ago. I don't know if this matters. And honestly, it it doesn't really matter if he certifies or not. Because the state legislature, again, has ultimate power and they can just choose. Nah, we're not going to do it. Now, over in Wisconsin, people are making fun of Trump. They're saying that this recount he called for, he spent $3 million on, it actually gave Biden more votes and they're all laughing. Trump's not laughing. Trump said the recount is not about mistakes. In his tweet, he said, the Wisconsin recount is not about finding mistakes in it in the count. It is about finding people who have voted illegally. And that case will be brought after the recount is over. On Monday or Tuesday, we have found many illegal votes. Stay tuned. Once again, certification meaningless. After this recount, Trump can then present evidence of illegal votes, if he has it, to another one of these informal hearings done at a hotel to convince the Republican state legislature to support Trump electors. All they need is the excuse. They need public opinion. If Trump is really just some wacky dude that no one cares about and they think he's crazy, well, then he's not going to have any support if he tries this. If Trump gets three states to challenge this and everyone thinks he's nuts, then they're just going to throw him out of the White House. They're going to say, "Nah, get out of here when nobody buys this. But what if Trump really does present enough information to cast doubt on the elections? That's what he's doing here. It's what he's been doing. The left and the mainstream media perspective is that Trump is purposefully undermining our election so that he can seize power. On the right, it's The election was already undermined by these anomalies, inconsistencies, strange goings on, and we have sworn affidavits alleging fraud. That's all evidence. The Democrats are refusing to actually investigate. In Georgia, the craziest thing is they're trying to wipe the the servers. uh, uh, I'm sorry, the, the voting machines. And a court had to order them not to do it. That's weird. That's really weird. Maybe this comes down to three of these four states. Because Trump only needs three. Well, he needs Pennsylvania for sure. He would need, I believe he would need Pennsylvania and then two of any of these other states. And that may happen because Pennsylvania has already said that they're going to you know, challenge this. But we do have some more breaking news. The Trump campaign sends fifth request to Georgia Secretary of State for signature audit. Once again, 
It doesn't matter if they do the audit. It doesn't matter if they do the recount. All that matters is Trump can say we demanded five times they, they audit these signatures and they wouldn't do it. And then the Republicans can say because of that, we don't trust this. But to, but but listen, you, you got to understand, even though we do have a two party system for the most part, it's, you know, informally. It doesn't mean they're a monolith. It was the Republicans in Pennsylvania who passed the Mail-in Voting Act unconstitutionally. It's Republicans who are suing over it. Now, maybe you can argue it's a conspiracy to delegitimize the election going back to October. I, no, I just think there's establishment politicians and then there's, you know, uh, more populist politicians, I suppose. They say uh, the Trump campaign says for the fifth time they are requesting that the Georgia Secretary of State perform an immediate audit of the signatures on all absentee ballot applications and absentee ballot envelopes received for the November 3rd general election. The Trump campaign estimates that between 38,250 and 45,626 illegal votes from the absentee ballots alone were cast in the state of Georgia, far beyond the current uh, Biden margin of 12,670. The Trump campaign has substantial evidence of other violations of Georgia's election code and numerous other serious discrepancies in voting across the state, which call into question the validity of the Secretary of State's certification of the presidential election. They say, quote, until the signatures are matched, the vote count in Georgia is a complete fraud, said Giuliani. There is no way of knowing which ballots are honest and which ballots are fraudulent. And that is just what they need. The doubt. The doubt. How can we move forward if 74 million people in this country don't know if the election was legitimate, especially with someone as weak as Joe Biden, who can't unify anybody, let alone his own party members? The last thing we need is 74 million Republicans saying, I don't trust the results they didn't investigate. And so I refuse because that's really how you get civil war. We don't want that. So the, we, we just need to do this. And, and look, Georgia, it's Republicans in Georgia. They're not doing it, though. What I've heard from Trump supporters is that they believe Brian Kemp, uh, the governor, cheated Stacey Abrams. I think that's really funny now that all of a sudden everybody who supported this Republican for governor and cheered for him when he won are now uh, well, many of them are turning around saying he, in fact, did cheat. He cheated. And now that's the deal. He's got to cover it up. Otherwise, they're going to find out. So he'd rather have Joe Biden win. I don't know about all that. I just think these are establishment politicians who are more in line with the status quo. And if the machines are churning, they're going to churn along with it. Donald Trump is, is the, is the um, insurgent candidate who upsets the established order. Over in Georgia, the recount was delayed by a server crash. Ooh, really? Just a bunch of weird stuff happening, huh? Look, I'll tell you. Server crashes happen, okay? It's apparently a mobile server. I guess they use it just for this location. It's not hooked up to the internet. But there are allegations that these machines are hooked up to the, the, uh, hooked up to the internet. So y'all better uh, uh, explain what the mobile server is, lest people start saying, why were these machines networked? They're not supposed to be, right? Look at it this way. Even if they're not on the internet, imagine you have 50 machines at, at a polling location or something. And they're all networked together on a mobile server. And then someone sits down, walks up to that server that no one can see or whatever, and pops a USB to it, takes over all the machines. It's probably why they shouldn't be networked. I don't know what the deal is with if they are or not. But I do know they've been trying to wipe these machines. And we got more breaking news. A federal judge reapproves emergency order blocking Georgia from wiping state voting machines. Why would they do that? 
Well, they're saying they have to erase the machines to get ready for a new recount. And I'm like, then did you already erase them? Why? No, you shouldn't do this. That's that's creepy, isn't it? There have been many instances throughout history where evidence is destroyed. I'm not going to name all of these events. Some of them are recent, high profile, historical moments where as soon as the event happened, people came in and destroyed all the evidence. Then you can't figure out what really happened. That's the stupidest thing. If we're talking about transparency, if we're talking about making sure these elections are legit and fair, the last thing anyone should be doing is wiping these machines. But they're saying we got to do a recount. Trump wants it. Therefore, wipe the machines. Judge said no. This is in relation to Sidney Powell's lawsuit. I don't know if anything will come of it. And look, by the time you watch this video, we may get breaking news and the fight may completely end. If the Republicans in the, uh, the in PA can't pull off some kind of dispute, I don't know what Trump has left. But you know what, man? I got to say, it's going to come down to the wire on January 6th. And who knows what's going to happen? There's going to be disputes. No one's going to back down because we are not in a working system anymore. This is what you guys need to understand as, as I wrap this up. The government that we have right now, I should say the American government doesn't exist. It doesn't. You might say it does. You might say there's a constitution. We already have Democrats who don't care for the Constitution, who are, are cheering for unconstitutional law in Pennsylvania, for instance. But the fact is, both sides are just fighting for power by any means necessary. Now, I think the left and the Democrats are the ones who are playing dirty. And I think the Republicans are not strong enough for the most part and, and rarely fight back. Only now it's Trump. But look at what's going on with all of this stuff. Blocking investigations, telling people to shut up. It is a battle for power, raw power, and the tribalism is, is so intense, there's no overlap anymore. There's no agreement between the parties. It used to be we had one government with, with Democrats, Republicans, and some third party, some independents, and they mostly agreed on everything, but they still argued on key issues. Now, we have two distinct parties that oppose each other on basically everything. Trump could be, you know, Trump, if Trump came out in favor of, of the stimulus, they would all of a sudden come out against it, arguing that something's wrong with it. And things like this have happened. Trump can come out and say that he, you know, well, I wouldn't go so far as if Trump came out and said he would resign, they would argue, no, you must stay. But I'd be willing to bet there are, there were periods similar to that, where if Trump tried relegating away some power, they'd say he's an irresponsible president. How dare he? That's, that, that's the joke. And we all know it. We're at a point now where it's about tribalism, period. They don't care whether it's right or wrong, they care if Trump supported. If Trump says war is bad, they say war is good. That's how insane things have gotten. Think about what that means as we move forward. If they're willing to support or oppose legislation on the basis of, is it pro or anti-Trump? Can it make us against Trump? Then they're not, they're not uh, legislating to help the American people. They're simply just legislating to say, orange man bad. It's the only thing they have left before the Democrats completely fall apart. And that's what all of this is. It's all just Trump all day, every day. We are in Trump's universe. Maybe maybe the simulation theory is real. And, you know, it's 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 all it's the Trump simulation, I guess, because everything seems to revolve around him as he sucks the air out of the room. That's it. The Democrats and the Republicans, they're not going to agree. And I'll tell you what, Kamala Harris, they say she's the most liberal politician. What that really means is she doesn't compromise with Republicans at all. She doesn't co-sponsor bills with them at all. And that shows the hyper polarization as she's now. Uh, on, on track to be vice president elect. I don't know if Trump can pull any of this off, you know, but he's doing it. 
and he's on that track to do it. And I'm telling you, until Joe Biden's got his hand on the Bible, I'm not convinced that it's over. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 6 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcastnews. Check it out, and I will see you all then. Governments are built upon the confidence of the people. The only reason anybody believes this government has power is because they know the government has the power to enforce the law. I was recently reading about the adoption of the U.S. Constitution and the Articles of Confederation and the problems the U.S. government had in being unable to actually enforce the law. All it really came down to was there was no confidence in the system. Donald Trump is fighting tooth and nail in a propaganda war. It's something I called out uh, several, uh, several weeks ago, actually now, following the election. On the right, Trump supporters are saying that there's rampant fraud. We can see the evidence and it proves the election was stolen. Well, it's true there's rampant, there, there's evidence of widespread fraud across the board now. And we actually, it, it appears the FBI is now seeking to investigate. They recently asked Matt Brainerd of the Voter Integrity Project to turn over data on illegal ballots cast. Brainerd is going to be speaking, I believe, in Arizona at a hearing, a, a, a fact finding hearing on fraud. The evidence certainly exists. Now, I'm not, I can't tell you what the evidence ultimately brings us to. That's, you're going to need a court. You're going to need people to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. But there's a ton of evidence. And the most I can say is there's strange anomalies. It doesn't prove a conspiracy, but it may prove that, well, the election is broken. And when it comes to Donald Trump's path to victory in the Electoral College, all he need do is convince Republican legislatures to call the election in dispute maybe send their own slate of electors, which the Constitution recognizes, and then Joe Biden doesn't reach 270. But again, the right is adamant. They know what they're talking about. Over on the left, they're saying there's no evidence. It's all lies. Trump is delusional. CNN puts out a statement in their newsletter saying that Trump is backsliding into a delusion because he's weak. But CNN also lies almost every single story they put out about voter fraud. There is evidence of widespread voter fraud. Matt Brainerd collected publicly available data and cross-referenced it several different ways. Change of address requests, for instance. People who are registered as having moved, their address appears in a database saying they don't live in Georgia anymore, but they're they're, they're, uh, recorded as having requested an absentee ballot and voted, which would be an illegal vote. Now, maybe you're saying, well, we don't know it was them. Someone else may have cast the vote. Congratulations. That's also fraud. But the left is completely ignoring all of this. Or I should say the media is. Well, now we have what I would say is tides turning. Rand Paul is not your typical, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him an establishment politician. He's actually one of my favorite politicians, if like one of the only that I actually respect. So when I say favorite politicians, what I should say is I have very little respect for any politicians at all, a small handful. Rand Paul is, is, is one of the best of the best because he's clearly a principled guy. Well, guess what? He came out on Twitter and he called out strange anomalies. Now, there are some responses from your traditional liberal types, leftists, who don't seem to understand how significant these anomalies are and how it is staring us in the face that something doesn't make sense. Public opinion is slowly starting to shift, it would seem. In one poll from Rasmussen, they say that around 47 percent of people believe there was enough fraud to have uh, flipped the election. That's significant. And with Rand Paul coming out and tweeting about this, you are starting to see this narrative now become more and more mainstream. Initially, after the race was called for Joe Biden, this was November, I believe, November 7th. Everybody just said, that's it. Joe Biden won. 
But slowly and surely, we started hearing more from uh, sworn statements, more evidence started emerging. And now that it's been a couple of weeks, we actually have actual evidence. And I, I, look, I can tell you, witness testimony is evidence. We use it in criminal proceedings. People have gone to prison for life on the basis of witness testimony. And I don't think it's perfect. I think you've got to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt to a jury. And sometimes that's the case. And sometimes they are bad lawyers. But listen, witness testimony, evidence. Well, we have hundreds now of sworn statements across the country in, in some states that aren't even necessarily in question, like Virginia. We apparently have some sworn affidavits from people saying this weird thing happened. I witnessed this. And much of it is just saying outright fraud. We have statements from people who said they were watching the, the ballot count, the observers, when they were told to go home because there wouldn't be any more counting. And then as soon as the observers left, it started counting again. How does that make sense? And that, that happened in third. Georgia. And that's where uh, one of the issues is coming up with Rand Paul. I believe he's talking about Georgia. He's talking about these big data dumps in major swing states. Maybe not Georgia. But let me read you the story. And then I'll go through what this data actually is. And, uh, well, let's push back on some of this leftist narrative. Newsweek says Rand Paul sparks backlash with vote count anomaly tweet. Again, the significance of this is that it's not just Trump saying it. You've now got Rand, Senator Rand Paul saying, hey, check this out. It is a large and glaring anomaly. They say the Kentucky senator tweeted about disputed claims of voter fraud, which were made in a lengthy blog post titled Anomalies in Vote Counts and Their election Effects on Election 2020. The post questioned why President-elect Biden received vote spikes in the states of Michigan, Wisconsin, and Georgia in the early hours of November 4th, as well as suggesting statistically anomalous cases in other states and questioned other voting results, which had unusually, unusually high Biden to Trump ratio. Biden defeated Trump in several key states, with the counting of mail-in and postal ballots massively favoring the Democratic candidate. Trump has frequently complained that the election was rigged as a result of unproven mass voter fraud. I'll tell you what's really shocking. The narrative is changing, man. I'll tell you this. Unproven mass voter fraud. Oh, I thought it was unsubstantiated, baseless, or no evidence. That's right. I saw an article the other article the other day. Now, this is from the Washington Examiner, which is not uh, by any means a leftist publication. But they said Trump offers no new evidence. And I'm like, uh-huh, no new evidence. They're starting to change how they phrase, phrase these things. And, and I'll tell you, Trump supporters are taking notice. Unproven mass voter fraud because the evidence is overwhelming. The hearing in Pennsylvania, while I said it was silly that they were doing it in, in, in a hotel, that's just me. Many people said it was significant because they did it in Gettysburg, and that's why they chose to do it there. But you had prominent people. These were not, you know, random, you know, crackpots screeching about the moon being made of cheese. We had like an, a, a psyops intelligence agent for the United States uh, 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 intelligence agencies, a retired Navy veteran, saying, this is what we saw, saying there are missing uh, USBs with votes on them. This is not the crackpot conspiracies of an international cabal of, you know, uh, uh, child traffickers or anything. No, this is literally like I was in the armed forces and I was an ob a poll watcher and the ballots are missing. It's like, OK, we got stuff like that. And we got a lot of it. Here's what Rand Paul said. Interesting. Actually, let me, let me pull up his tweet. He said, interesting, Trump margin of defeat in four states occurred in four data dumps between 134 and, one, uh, and one, uh, uh, 134 and 631 a.m. Statistical anomaly, fraud. Look at the evidence and decide for yourself. That is, if big tech allows you to read this, anomalies and vote counts. 
Well, I believe I f- I'm, I'm following David Pakman. So he was the default response to this tweet. And he said, you mean during a five hour period? LOL. David. Rand said four data dumps. That, that's it. A single dump of ballots with hundreds of uh, 100 plus thousand votes. In some instances, like 150 and 98 percent for Joe Biden is a massive statistical anomaly. And we have this. This is a vote pattern analysis.substack.com. Let me just say a few things first. One of the biggest face slaps is the idea that Joe Biden did better among black voters than Barack Obama did. Or maybe he didn't. I mean, Trump made major gains among the black community. So maybe that's actually like Trump improved his standing among black voters relative, you know, to how well Obama did. Percentage wise, you know, Joe Biden did worse. But Joe Biden, I believe, got more votes from the black community this time around. Now, maybe it's all easily explained by that people are just, a you know, they're uh, politics has become pop culture and people hate Trump. And with mail in ballots, the Democrats were able to go door to door for a month telling people vote, vote, vote. But I'm sorry, man, even if that's the case, it really is a hurdle to convince people that Joe Biden got more votes than Barack Obama did. Some people even made the joke that, wow, maybe the real reason Barack Obama got elected in the first place was because of Joe Biden, seeing as how many votes he got. I think these are interesting critiques, but I do think they ignore the fact that people were voting against Donald Trump. And that is a very, very serious problem for this country. Let me tell you, depending on which source you read, they say about um, 40 or so percent of the Democratic Party is progressive. The Democratic Party, I think, is like 36 million people. Most people who vote are independents. And that means you've got like 15 or so million progressives or more. And that makes sense because according to the Hidden Tribes analysis, progressives in this country are about 8% of the population. So let's just put it that. Let's just say like, I don't know, 18 million people. I, I gave, I, I said more like in my previous, uh, my, in my segment yesterday, but I'll put it this way. Every Trump voter does, you know, is, is not a fan of Joe Biden. I, I would say there's a small percentage that probably will passively accept Joe Biden and say whatever. But let's say you've got around 80 million people who all hate Joe Biden. That's not good for this country. It's not it's it's you've got the majority of Trump voters and you've got a handful of progressives and they all hate Joe Biden. There are more people who hate Joe Biden right now than who support him. But but I'll tell you this progressives voted for him because they hate Trump more. That's true. That's true. But that just means we're if if Joe Biden ends up, you know, being inaugurated as the media keeps claiming he won. We're going to have a country led by a man that most people hate. And the regular liberals are going to go back to sleep, stop paying attention and not care about what he does. And you will have nothing but disdain for this man. It's going to be, look, the, the dude's going to be sleepy, Joe. He's going to be gone. And we don't know what, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what to say. I don't think it'll be like Trump. I just, it's not going to be good when everyone's like, we hate all these people. Anyway, check this out. I want to show you some of this. This is what Rand Paul is pointing out. And I think they have a graph I can show you. This is the famous image. They say using publicly available data from the New York Times, here is a visualization of the number of votes by candidate in Michigan from the beginning of election night to 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on November 4th. Everyone is pointing this out. There are see these leaps. Trump gets a big boost, but Biden gets a small boost. This could be a particularly rural you know, county with a lot of votes. We see that these boosts for Biden and Trump at the same time. Because when big batches come in from big areas, you will see a boost. Now, in one instance, 
Biden's boost is tiny. It's hard, hard to even see. And Trump gets a big jump. This is probably a very rural area that makes sense. Then you see in this this area, this actually makes sense too. Biden's jump seems to be quite a bit bigger than Donald Trump. Well, maybe not quite a bit, but a, a bit. That's because mail-in voting favored Democrats two to one, which means when you see a jump for Biden in a particularly blue area, Trump still does get 20, 30% of the votes. So you will see a jump for Donald Trump, but a big jump for Joe Biden. Then we see this big curve favoring Donald Trump, but then all of a sudden, boop, a jump straight up for Joe Biden with nothing for Donald Trump. Now it's possible. I'll tell you. People were talking, I've seen a lot of data that suggests that areas like Detroit are uh, 95% Democrat. Counting and so for some of these websites just autoplay nonstop. So in Detroit, it might make sense that, you know, Joe Biden got 140,000 votes right in one big dump. The issue, I suppose, is every major metro. I mean, come on, even in Ocasio-Cortez's district, 20% is Republican. To come out and tell me that this city is 95% Democrat, it makes me actually question the past elections. They're like, yeah, but in 2016, you know, Detroit was also 95%. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Trump said there was fraud in 2016, too. You look at Cook Political Report, Ocasio-Cortez, the, the, the progressive, you know, uh, she's not a fan of the Democrats in her district where she wins 20 percent Republican. OK, now they don't generate that many votes, but it's certainly not 95 to five or less. That is anomalous. And then, of course, with that bump, Joe Biden slowly takes the lead and beats out Trump. But you can see in every other area where Joe Biden makes a slight gain, Trump makes a slight gain as well. That's because Mail-in voting favor Democrats two to one, or maybe about 70-30, which means if Joe Biden gets two votes, Trump gets one, you'll see a bump for Trump a little bit. Just to see this nothing here is kind of strange. But again, again, they're going to claim it's Detroit. I think that's highly suspect because I think there's people in Detroit who support Donald Trump, especially when you consider that Detroit is a has a large black population. They say all of these people voted for Biden, but Trump made tremendous gains among black voters. That's a fact. And, and the Democrats have, have uh, are being torn apart over it, that Donald Trump gained more among minority voters than like any Republican since George W. Bush or something to that effect, or, or I think longer than that, actually. Yet in Detroit, he gains nothing. They say, check, check this out. Check out Wisconsin. You can't explain that. I'm sorry, you can't. Trump and Biden track very evenly. Biden gets a, a jump probably from an urban area. Uh, um, Biden gets a jump in, in, in an urban area. Trump starts making significant gains across the state. And then all of a sudden, data dump, boom, Biden's in the lead. 95, 90%. That's, that's ridiculous. That's what they say. As this graph shows, Joe Biden overtook President Trump's lead through a small number of vote updates, which broke overwhelmingly for Biden in Michigan in the early hours on the morning of November 4th. The situation in Wisconsin is even more stark. A single update to the vote count brought Biden from trailing by over 100,000 votes into the lead. Here is the comparable graph over the same time range for Wisconsin. Now, they, they claim, this another thing they're saying, it's because they had to count mail-in votes after election day. That means as soon as midnight hit, they could start counting absentee. And then, of course, they're all for Biden. Womp, not true. Mail-in voting favored Democrats heavily. And I looked at the 538 data. You still had a decent amount of Trump votes from mail-in voting. This doesn't make sense. So I'm sorry, man. 
if I don't trust what what you know what they're selling. I can't, uh, you know, there's a really important, let, let me show you something. Let me show you something. The People's Pundit, Rich Barris, responding to Trump. First, Donald Trump tweeted, quote, Democrats suffered crushing down ballot loss across America. This is true. All state houses won. And in Washington, we did great. So I led this great charge and I'm the only one that lost. No, it doesn't work that way. This was a massive fraud or rigged election. Rich Barris, People's Pundit says, down ballot results present like a typical incumbent reelection cycle. His party recovers much, but not all of their first incumbent midterm losses. Largely fight off upper chamber challenges and wins bellwethers. This is not what happens when a POTUS gets. This is what happens when a POTUS gets reelected, not defeated. There are 19 bellwether towns. Trump won 18 of them. There are three bellwether states. Trump won all three of them. So, yeah. A lot of this doesn't seem to add up at all. Of course, Rand Paul is getting ripped to shreds for telling people to read the evidence and decide for themselves because it's a propaganda war. And that's what I was bringing up very early on. If Trump can convince enough people that something doesn't make sense and they can question this, when Trump wins, we will avert widespread chaos, disaster. More importantly, if Trump convinces enough people and the Republican legislatures in their states are getting inundated with calls from people saying, I do not trust this. Do not cast votes. Trump wins. MSNBC, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Newsweek was talking about it. CNN was talking about it. If we do not, if we get a disputed election in these three states, Trump wins. If Joe Biden does not reach 270 electoral votes, House delegations vote, Trump wins. I am not saying it is likely. I am not saying it is the most probable thing to happen at in any capacity. And I honestly just can't imagine a scenario where it does, probably because of my normalcy bias. But I'll tell you, man, if these things weren't being lined up, I, it feels so weird, I tell you. I talk to my friends and I'm like, everything in my head is saying this is ridiculous. Like it does, it, it's, it's, even if these things are standing out to us, could Trump really convince three states? Maybe. Now that you got Rand Paul tweeting about it, it's becoming much more mainstream. It's becoming much more high profile. Rand Paul's got three million followers on Twitter. So the narrative keeps keeps moving. And CNN is absolutely desperate to claim otherwise, to say, no, 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 no. It's all lies. It's all wrong. Nothing to see here, folks. I just showed you this. This may be explained. No, 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 no. no. Listen, listen. This chart you're seeing on the screen where there's a huge jump for Joe Biden that immediately allows him to just narrowly overtake Trump. Explain it. I'm sure I'm sure you have an explanation. Okay. Well, that explanation isn't beyond a reasonable doubt. Sorry. When you tell me that 98% of the votes came in in a batch and it was all for Joe Biden, I say, okay, I, I want that to be audited. I, I think that's fair. Smoke alarms going off. People are confused by how these can happen in, in, in three different states. Are you kidding? Now they go on to say it's like just not possible. They say measuring the relationship between the candidates margin and their ratio. They say the, uh, the difference between the number of votes for Biden and the number of votes for Trump, the margin, the logarithm of the ratio between, you know, the log ratio, blah, blah, blah. In other words, given X for Biden and Y for Trump, either metric will produce a score, which is the opposite of what it would produce in the update instead of Y votes, blah, blah, blah. Readers might ask, OK, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of this. The point is, if you look at this. And Rand Paul tweeted it out to 3 million people and say, yes, I'd like an answer for this. 
Why is it that the, uh, that the Democrats and the left are saying, sh- sit down and shut up? We're not going to tell you anything. Sorry, you can explain it. That's fine. But uh, it's still evidence. Statistical anomalies have been used as evidence of voter fraud in the past. Evidence is not definitive proof. The left is trying to play this game where they say there's no definitive proof, but they use the word evidence. They're trying to manipulate you. Widespread evidence. Now they say unproven claims. Yes, because we have evidence and it must be answered for. Look at this from CNN. Complicit. Trump is Trump, but his enablers are helping him to undermine democracy. They're staying silent and Trump is backsliding and they're calling for punishment for Trump supporters. Chris Evans, Zach Braff will never forget Trump enablers. Ballots for a f- we have New York Post, AOC and Co's loathsome plan to keep a list of pro-Trumpers. Trump's enablers can't escape the consequences of their choices. This to me shows the desperation. You see, they can't come out and actually refute the facts. If there is evidence and it is being challenged and, and, and it sounds to me like they're worried if we actually investigate this stuff, guess what? You might find something weird. Maybe you'll find the proof you're looking for. We have evidence. We launch an investigation. The investigation draws its conclusion, presents its, its findings to the people, and then the people can choose to accept it or not. They're trying to resist that by any means necessary. They're talking about wiping Dominion voting machines. No, no, they got to be reset. And there's lawsuits to try and block it. They're talking about Trump supporters needing to just give up, submit. It's time to concede. And when that didn't work, they said, then you will face consequences for not backing down. I won't. And guess what? More and more people are starting to stand up. Let me tell you something. I have lefty friends. My lefty friends are now asking me, like, Biden really got more votes than Obama? And I'm like, yeah, uh-huh. I have a, I'm not saying it's everybody, and I'm not pretending like three people is three million. I'm just saying some of my progressive friends are like, did like, I get a message, and they're like, hey, did Joe Biden really get, like, 12 million more votes than Obama did? And I'm like, that's what they're saying. And they're like, oh, <laughs> that's crazy. Nobody believes it. Okay, I'm sure the traditional like corporate Dem types want to believe it. I wonder if progressives actually want to believe it. I think it's absolutely insane that it's it's nuts. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying, think about how crazy it is that Joe Biden, who wasn't campaigning, who was calling lids every day to the shock and chagrin of reporters, got more votes than celebrity Barack Obama did in 2008. When even I voted for the guy, I voted for Trump this time. I'll tell you this. I have voted twice for the president in my life, for Barack Obama the first time, and he won, and for Donald Trump this time, and it is yet to be determined. But how strange is it? Going back to what the People's Pundit said, everything was tracking for an incumbent reelection, and then you have these weird anomalies, and Joe Biden wins. Let me run, let, let me, let me, I'll wrap this up by saying two things. Three things. First, the important takeaway. It seems like public opinion is starting to shift on this. The other thing is we need uh, we need answers as to what these anomalies were. Otherwise, I think public opinion will keep shifting and people are just going to be confused. But to answer uh, the progressives claim that Trump is accepting the results of only the elections where he won and not where he lost. The Republicans and conservatives are talking about many ballots that were undervotes meaning they only voted for Biden and nobody else. 
So yes, if you have a bunch of ballots that are for Trump and then and then the Republicans win and then a bunch of ballots only for Joe Biden, that's the anomaly. Congratulations, you've discovered it. But I'll leave it there. I do have one more point to make. And that is, you may have noticed that I'm not wearing my uh, my button up. And uh, well, it's because it's covered in uh, gunshot residue. Yeah, I was out at the range shooting quite a bit, like lots and lots of bullets. We, a bunch of friends, we all went down and we had a good time last night. So now I have to wash the shirt to get all the, you know, the lead and particulates and whatever off of it. So so there you go. I'll be wearing it in the next segment. I just wanted to say that it's like it's like I'm, I'm, I'm bragging. It was really fun. But uh, I'll, I'll leave it there. We'll see how things start to progress. I think it's good news for Trump. Next segment will be coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. And I will see you all then. How many Trump supporters have been calling for producing lists of Joe Biden's enablers, of Nancy Pelosi's enablers, of Barack Obama or, or Hillary Clinton's enablers to face some kind of tribunal or retribution? The answer is, well, for the most part, none. But to be fair, there are many people who are screaming at Bill Barr, arrest somebody. That's the meme. Chris Farley screaming, arrest someone. Yes, they want the people who perpetrated this massive Russia gate hoax to face some kind of criminal penalty. And there's been at least one guy, former FBI lawyer, was found to have altered evidence. And there are many instances where people, uh, high ranking individuals were lying to the public, lying under oath, and they just get away with it. Listen, if Republican says, I want someone investigated and arrested, I kind of shrug my shoulders. Let's, okay, if, if they're going to find evidence and a justification for why this person has committed a crime, well, then there you go. This person's committed a crime and they go to jail. What is the left calling for? They're calling for retribution, truth and reconciliation commissions, panels, lists, names of people who committed no crimes. Now, Joe Biden has said over uh, and over now, he's calling, he's begging for unity. I tell you this, my friends, Joe Biden is possibly the worst thing that could have happened to us as we are in this hyper polarized atmosphere. Progressives do not like Joe Biden. Trump supporters do not like Joe Biden. And right now, both groups are telling him to shut the up. Here's what Joe Biden tweeted. He said, it's time to put away the harsh rhetoric, lower the temperature and listen to each other again. To make progress, we must stop treating our opponents as our enemy. We're not enemies. We're Americans. I respect it. I really do. I do. You do not want ongoing and sustained conflict, and you do not want it to erupt into a hot conflict. For the time being, whatever's going on has been referred to as the culture war, the cultural civil war, or Mother Jones recently called it the political civil war. Some have said it's a cold civil war. Yeah, cold meaning nobody's killing each other. The only problem is that, well, recently in the, in the well, in the uh, recent history, a far leftist with the Black Lives Matter revolution fist on his neck stalked a Trump supporter and then put two bullets in his chest. That's when many right wing groups said it already has begun. No, we don't want that to be the case. We don't want anything to have begun. But I'm sorry, I have to say, in my opinion, I, I, I don't see this as being pessimistic. I see this as being realistic. The conflict is is here. It doesn't necessarily mean we're going to get bullets flying across the street endlessly, but people have already been killed. We've already seen what happens with the Chaz when the left declares their autonomous zones. Some teenagers joyriding in an SUV were gunned down with like a hail of hundreds of bullets. That happened. That's insane. Several people died in the Chaz. 
and Trump supporters. Now, a couple have been killed. One of these incidents was, you know, this journalist's unlicensed security guard shooting a Trump supporter in the face in Portland. It was a Trump supporter minding his own business being stalked by a far leftist. Maybe it ends there. And I can't tell you if it will or won't. Don't take that as a sign that I'm saying it will. I know a lot on the left will say I'm calling for or, or no, we don't want any of this. Take a look at the response to Joe Biden's uh, comments. Stick sex and hammer. And I, and I respect Stick saying you can't even unify your own party. That someone responded saying he's talking to his own party, isn't he? And you know what? Honestly, yes, he is. We must stop treating our opponents as our enemy. Joe Biden is telling the Democrats, you must stop doing this. Are they going to listen to him? The answer is no, because they don't like him. You know what the campaign was among most people active in politics on the left? Settle for Biden. Settle for him. Now what's he doing? The people being appointed by Joe Biden. Oh, no. Pikachu shocked face. The left is going, oh, no. What's he doing? Warmongers, banksters, crony capitalists, neoliberals. What did you think he was going to do? That's why I say Joe Biden is probably the worst possible thing that could have happened to us right now. He unifies no one and he commands nothing. The left, the tribal left in this country does not care for Biden. They hate the man. They hate Trump more. Trump supporters don't care for Biden. They hate the man. Already, Stuart Rhodes of the Oath Keepers, the country's largest militia, said that he believes the Trump supporters, half the country, will not regard anything out of Biden's mouth as, as, as law or uh, official, that they will not see him as a legitimate president. That's where we're headed. Now, listen, for the most part, this segment that, I'm, that I want to show you, it, it's, it's coming off of some of the things I talked about in my 10 a.m. segment. The lists, the calls for retribution, the, sh- the shunning of the enablers, what the left and the Democrats and the media are calling for right now is not any kind of legal justice. It's extrajudicial punishment of people who held opinions they don't like. And that to me says what is to come is it's going to get worse. There's a possibility that Donald Trump figures out a way to win right now as I'm recording this. Rudy Giuliani is speaking in Arizona, telling the state legislature that is their sole right to appoint electors and that they must. And maybe they will. Already, we have a handful of politicians in Pennsylvania who have announced their intention to take back the power and call their election in dispute. It might happen. We'll find out later today. Maybe it'll happen in Arizona and a couple other states. What do you think happens if Trump does get an electoral college victory? The left doesn't care for Biden. The things Biden says are meaningless because the Democrats have been supporting this far leftist extremism for quite some time, at least passively, you know, but uh, in many ways, overtly, like Kamala Harris soliciting donations to bail out rioters. And then my favorite saying, we must help small businesses. Oh, you mean like the people you helped burn them down and destroy them? In response to what Joe Biden said, you can just look at what people are saying. Joe, please listen. We were abused and traumatized for four years. People who are abused can't just lower the temperature and listen. Please consult with psych experts on how to deal with large scale trauma. We are traumatized. One person says, raise your hand if you think Biden is the kind of medicine American needs right now. This person said, translation, don't do to us what we did to you for four years. While some people, the more corporate, moderate types are saying, thank you, Joe Biden, for bringing us together. 
The reality is the mainstream narrative is punishment. I referenced these uh, some of these articles, but I want to read through them to tell you what what I, I got to say, you know, is 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 terrifying where the left is going right now. The right is not calling for leftists to be to face tribunals. They may be talking about key key figures like, you know, Comey or Clapper or Biden himself, but that's political and that's judicial. Uh, that's that's them saying we want these people to face some kind of justice for their crimes. Now, you might say we can't have that in this country. When Donald Trump was having his rallies where they chanted, lock her up, it is a, it is a, a bit alarming, but they were talking about crimes and then Trump never really pursued them. Or I should say the DOJ didn't and probably because Trump didn't have the power once he got elected. Many of these individuals who were in these intelligence agencies and law enforcement had no allegiance to Donald, to, uh, to Donald Trump. But I'll tell you this. If there are crimes someone committed, then you have to lock them up. The alternative is that there's no rule of law anymore. The idea that Hillary Clinton should be allowed to walk freely after all this information was deleted from her servers and her people smashed phones with hammers. That means that certain people are above the law. And if that's true, then there is no law. Why would anyone have confidence in a system when the people who are in, who are imposing these rules ignore them? Just like the uh, the covid lockdowns, Nancy Pelosi, Gretchen Whitmer, Lori Lightfoot, Gavin Newsom, they all break their own rules. And, and, and that's leading by example. So why would anyone take their rules seriously? Let's take a look at this from CNN. I want I want, I want you to see this complicit. Trump is Trump. There is nothing new to say about the man. But there is still lots to learn about his enablers. So many people from GOP functionaries, what is that, to Fox News hosts are helping him to undermine democracy by denying the election and attacking reality. So many people are complicit. People like Maria Bartiromo, formerly an acclaimed journalist known around the world for making CEOs tell the truth. Now she tees up Trump to recite lie after lie. Her Sunday morning call with Trump on Fox News was the first interview since he lost the election. But it wasn't a real interview at all. He, w- he wasn't ready to acknowledge that he lost, and neither was she. He displayed delusional weakness. She was complicit. And she's far from the only one. What is the point of this? And every other article calling for retribution. They're trying to scare you. There are real anomalies. This is what I was talking about in my earlier segment. There are strange goings on in this election. I believe they should be investigated. And I believe if the Democrats refuse to allow them to be investigated. And the Republicans are within their right to call the election in dispute. We don't. I'm sorry. You don't get years of Russiagate investigations that lead to nothing. And then when we have an election and say we want a free and fair election, you say we're not going to investigate. We're going to wipe the servers, whatever. No, sorry. Then I believe the Republicans should outright say, no, we dispute. And you could have let us run our investigation and we could have accepted it. Maybe the Democrats think the Republicans won't accept it no matter what, or maybe there's actually fraud going on. Either way, the system right now seems to be broken and it doesn't really matter what's true. We're well past the point of what is true. Take, for instance, what CNN says about Maria Bartiromo. They say she was an acclaimed journalist and now she's just letting Trump lie after lie after lie. Uh, what was what, what, what were the lies? CNN, are you going to? Are you going to show us? Are you going to tell us what wasn't true? Or are you just going to say it? CNN keeps saying there's no evidence of fraud. It's delusional. There's actually widespread evidence. Matt Brainerd of the Voter Integrity Project has actually published 
some of uh, par- parts of his database where you can see all these addresses proving, or I should say, providing evidence that there were illegal ballots cast, but proving that some of the information in the database shows people using commercial addresses with apartment number, unit. Weird, isn't it? Yes, that's evidence. So why is CNN lying? Well, first they tried claiming there was no evidence. Now they're threatening us. Now they're calling us the enablers. The GOP leaders stay silent. What about all the other all the other Republicans? Trump is backsliding. The Murdochs own this. Trump said Hannity gets it. Darcy's question. He says, in the past, Maria Bartiromo has been portrayed as a member of Fox's straight news. So uh, an arm of that, uh, an arm of Fox that Brett Baer and Chris Wallace serve as the faces for. It's worth, worth asking, where are they? Are they OK with their colleague fanning the flames? Bend the knee, submit now. Otherwise, what comes next? Well, we're going to destroy anywhere that you dare speak up. From the SF gate, I tried Parler, the social media app where hate speech thrives. It's the same game they play every time. Hate speech, lies, fake news. Anytime they ban a conservative or a right wing individual, they threaten any business that might arise to allow a space to have a voice. And that's what they're doing to Parler now because Parler is taking off. I don't know why Trump isn't active on Parler now. He should be. He should get off Twitter and just go on Parler. They want to ban Parler and they've tried before. They want to ban all the social media companies because the social media companies are controlled by the left. And if you can go somewhere else and share ideas, that's a problem for the left. They don't believe in free speech and they've said it over and over and over again. These international interests don't believe in free speech. They tried to get Trump to sign off on some anti-hate speech pledge. And he said, I can't do that. We have a First Amendment in this country. If Joe Biden is inaugurated as president, I believe you are going to see cancel culture on steroids. And it infuriates me to no end when I talk to many of my friends who are just too stupid and they say, I can't stand cancel culture, but Trump is worse. And I tell them, if Joe Biden wins, it will get 100 times worse. You know why? Donald Trump is the guy who can say these things. And so long as he is, he's saying a bunch of crazy stuff. I'm back here. I don't say the stuff Trump does. But once Trump is done, it's like Spider-Man holding the, the train with the webs. Remember from the movie? Once Trump is not there anymore to be the bombastic individual, then they're going to start calling everyone else offensive. They're going to expand what hate speech is. So Parler has a broadcast standard, meaning you can't use a lot of slurs. You can't post a lot of things. It's actually fairly strict. And they're already saying it's look, they're trying to make it seem like it's a bunch of Nazis. They want the app to be banned and they want to create a reason to do it. I'm not entirely convinced they can. I think there's too many conservatives who are pushing back now. And the amount of people who are saying enough is just too large. But what happens if they do? It's only a matter of time. If Joe Biden wins, Chris Evans, Zach Braff will never forget Trump enablers. Braff 45 tweeted, never forget all these enablers. And Evans 39 followed up the next day with a tweet. Remember who said nothing. The memorandums from Scrubs and Captain America performer came at the heels of ongoing speculation from GOP voters that Trump had lost the election. Many on social media sided with the stars, while there were others who also hit back at Braff and Evans with one Twitter user responding to Braff to never forget you're just an actor. Sure. AOC's loathsome plan to keep a list of pro-Trumpies. 
She said, is anybody archiving all of these posts from all of these people so we can remember? They want to subjugate and they are the ones pushing the conflict. It is not Trump supporters that are engaging in in violence for the most part. I say for the most part, but I mean like 99% of the time. It's not Trump supporters calling for tribunals. It is not Trump supporters calling for truth and reconciliation commissions for those that were misled by the deep state. They're not saying that. While many of these people may say there is a deep state, they don't blame the left for being manipulated or being wrong. They blame the intelligence institutions and the individuals who they want to see go to jail. If the Trump supporters were allowed to just keep doing what they wanted, there would be no great conflict. There would be no targeting of individuals or enablers. They would literally just arrest those that perpetrated the crimes. The left, however, doesn't believe in that system. They believe that we should take your name down. I saw this in Sweden. In Sweden, a newspaper, I believe it was Expressen. Well, it's been a long time since I covered this story, but I'll just give you the gist of it. There was a commenting service that was hacked. Expressen got access to the names of individuals who were previously anonymous who had been posting things. They went to their homes and threatened them. Now, they didn't go to their houses and say, I'm going to threaten you. They said, we're going to publish a story about how you're a bigot and how you hate refugees. Why do you hate refugees? And they do this to let you know they will come for you and they will try to destroy your life. CNN's done similar. There was a guy who was like a warehouse worker posted a meme. It's a video of Nancy Pelosi and it was slowed down. He didn't even make it. He's just some guy who saw it and then posted it. So they decided to publish who he was and where he worked. And that's the threat. We will light you up. Stochastic terrorism is what it's called. Because after your name is put on that list, Antifa, well, they know who you are. And the left won't talk about it. Or the Democrats won't talk about it. Why? Because Antifa functions very well as a cudgel. They can say, we're going to keep a list of all the enablers. And then you ask. Well, what do you mean a list of all the enablers? What are you going to do with that list? It's just because we don't want to work with you. And then that list will be known to Antifa and they'll know where your business is. And when a brick goes flying through your window or your building burns down, that has nothing to do with us. That was just angry people because freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom from consequence. I am not reading articles from various news outlets of Trump supporters saying they want retribution or tribunals. I am reading article after article of the left saying they want it and a feckless and pathetic broken ankle Joe Biden saying, please don't do it anymore. This is what happens when someone gets elected with no charisma, no leadership skills, no ability to rally. It's going to spiral out of control. Without Trump, the head is being cut off of the chicken. Under Trump, we had conflict. We had we had chaos. We did. But that chaos came before Trump. Trump focused a lot of the left and the anger on Trump. And many of Trump's supporters rallied and cheered behind Trump. And the Republicans clapped and did nothing. With no Trump, assuming he doesn't find a way to win. And uh, that seems extremely, extremely likely. The, the, you know, look, very likely. Joe Biden becomes president. We become a chicken with no head. And then I think you're going to see the left just go nuts. I mean, CNN. Prominent news network saying that these are enablers. Meanwhile, people are calling for lists of people and Antifa is sending out death threats and they do it all the time and they get away with it. Now we have this from The Washington Post. 
This is by Jennifer Rubin. Trump's enablers can't escape the consequences of their choices. Assuming President Trump loses his reelection bid in a few weeks from October, the soon to be alumni of the Trump administration who were warned that association with Trump would mar their careers and corrode their character are now hoping the Trump presidency isn't a disqualifying blemish on their resumes. Uh Uh-huh. They were warned. You were warned. We were all warned. I am not entirely comfortable with what they're saying. And I'll tell you this, the more they say it, the more it makes me want to double down and say Trump should do everything in his power to win, period. That's it. Trump should do everything in his power to win, period. I disagree with Trump on a lot of things. I do. I think he's way better than Biden. And I don't want to see the chicken get its head cut off and then chaos just erupt. But if they're talking about tribunals, truth and reconciliation commissions, and putting people's names on lists, then the only thing that makes me feel better is Trump winning and then stopping these people. We know where these things go. We know what happens with Antifa. We've already seen now there's a group going around in Seattle. I I think it's Seattle, uh, Pacific Northwest, claiming they own the land, knocking on doors and demanding that people give up their homes. And most people say, well, almost all the people are saying GTFO. What they're doing is not illegal. They're preying upon the cult of the left. They go to your house and they say, it's our land and we'll remember you. And then what? Now, I don't know who these people are, what they're really associated with, but it seems like they're definitely trying to exploit everything that's going on. And that is possibly the scariest thing about this. I thought it was funny. I was watching Fox News this morning and they were talking about it and I thought it was silly. But it sounds like what they're doing is playing up to this critical race theory narrative, this intersectionalist narrative, our land, mine, I'm taking it. We've already got talk now of land reparations for black farmers, like we've seen in other countries. And it seems like the goal of the left is what they call restorative justice, restorative. They're going to put your name on a list. I'll tell you what worries me as well. This story. Trump loosens U.S. execution rules, allowing poison gas and firing squads. Many Trump supporters started saying, huh, why the firing squads makes you think, huh? I don't know. The changes could allow could allow for capital punishment by firing squads or poison gas instead of lethal injection. Critics say Donald Trump is trying to rush through tougher punishments before he leaves office. Well, firing squads are rather fast, I guess. So I don't know why he's doing it, but there's certainly many Trump supporters who think Trump is getting ready to take down the deep state or something, and then they're going to get lined up, I suppose. I'm not entirely convinced. It's kind of a silly thing to even talk about because I don't know where it leads. It's the rhetoric that I find disturbing that makes me feel like conflict may be around the corner. Why would Trump give up? He won't. And the leftists won't either. And even CNN's in on the game. And Joe Biden commands nothing. When he says, please don't fight, everyone laughs at him. Right now, there's a hearing going on in Arizona. We're going to get some major developments today on what's going on with the election. It might end today. I don't know. We'll see. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. It is a different channel. So go to your address bar, type in youtube.com slash Timcast and press enter. Congratulations. Those of you that are still, still listening and didn't do it, the people who did are on a different YouTube channel from this one. And I'll tell you, man, I, I don't understand why it's so confusing, but I guess it is. YouTube named this channel Timcast, even though the URL is not Timcast. And 
I get emails every day from people saying, I don't understand why you said it's a different channel. It's like, I gave you the URL. You know what I mean? So if you want to watch, I'd appreciate it. Subscribe to the other channel. I'll leave it there and I'll see you all at 4 p.m. Thanks for hanging out. I said it before when they announced that Joe Biden was the projected winner of the election that I didn't think Donald Trump would be able to pull off some victory. But it's been a roller coaster ride. It's gone back and forth. And it seems like every so often something happens that makes it feel like, whoa, Trump could actually do this, right? And then something happens where it's like, okay, now he's finally done, right? But for some reason, every time something bad happens, something good happens. And although I still think the odds of Trump winning are astronomical, it's I don't know, exponentially more astronomical because we've got really bad news for Trump. You see, the PA state legislature was saying that they wanted a joint resolution in order to appoint their own electors or to take back the power from the secretary of state to appoint electors. But they're not coming back in a session. So that's it. Unless the government, uh, the governor calls for an emergency session, I guess which he's not going to do because the governor of uh, Pennsylvania is a Democrat. I don't see how Trump wins Pennsylvania. Listen, I'm not a psychic. I'm not going to make any wild guesses. I'm not going to take any bets. I don't know what could happen now, but I'm telling you this right here is devastating news for Trump. Absolutely devastating. And it comes in the back end of everything we've seen so far. So there, here it is. Pennsylvania House GOP leaders, lawmakers won't meet again this year. Okay, so maybe... January 1st, something happens. And before the six, before they count the votes, they dispute it. I really doubt it. The Washington Examiner reports the Republican leaders of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives announced late Saturday that they will not be returning to session this year, a move that would appear to preclude any possibility of lawmakers interceding in the 2020 election. House Speaker Brian Cutler and Majority Leader Carrie Benning, uh, Benninghoff Belafonte released a joint statement saying that they would not be calling their chamber to Harrisburg on Monday, the final possible day for the 2019-20 session of the legislature to meet. Quote, we are physically unable to consider any new legislation before the end of the session. They wrote in a statement, a simple resolution takes three legislative days for consideration and a concurrent resolution takes five legislative days to move through both chambers, which means We do not have the time needed to address any new resolutions in our current session. Article three, section four of the state constitution requires that bills be considered on three different days by each chamber. A simple resolution originates from a single chamber, while a concurrent resolution must move through both. After Monday, there can be no further meetings of the legislature this year. Article two, section four decrees the 2021 to 22 session of the legislature will begin on the first Tuesday of January, which will be on January 5th, 2021, which means even if they convene a new session, they will not have enough time to actually pass a joint resolution to do anything in order for them to actually appoint electors. The state legislature needs to pass a resolution, probably a joint resolution, and that's it. But you can't just have 26 people in the Pennsylvania House and eight senators in the Pennsylvania Senate out of 50 and 203 for the House say they would like it to happen. You need the document passed in the chamber at least. So I don't know what else Trump can pull off, but I'll tell you, there's always something new, isn't it? Maybe it'll just come down to some Republicans objecting on the six. I really doubt it. I've been saying it time and time again, and I know people don't want to hear it. 
it seems like Joe Biden is going to be president on January 20th. I'm not entirely sure what could happen. Maybe Trump just, I don't know, stages a military coup or something ridiculous. But like I said, astronomical. You want to get mad at me? You want to tell me I'm wrong? You want to tell me Trump's going to pull something off? By all means, you're allowed to believe it. You're allowed to say it. Please tell me in the comments below how if they're not coming into session, how they will end up giving Trump the electoral votes. The Supreme Court of PA shot everything down. Now just wait. Just because I have said all this doesn't mean it's over. Like I've said, okay, just bear with me. There's a lot still going on. This may mean Trump can't win by getting the state legislatures to give him these votes. He could still block Pennsylvania. Actually, it might come from outside of the Trump campaign. Now, Trump is saying he wants to go to SCOTUS. Trump supporters are saying Clarence Thomas, Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney, Barrett and Alito. They are going to come to the rescue. All right, They're going to come to the rescue and they're going to give Donald Trump the victory he needs. Maybe, but it would seem like, according to many high profile Trump supporters, or you know what? I'm not even going to do that. I'm going to say this. Will Chamberlain, he's a lawyer and an ardent Trump supporter. And he said, based on Trump campaign's appeal to the Third Circuit getting rejected, and it was rejected on the narrowest of, of, uh, uh, of uh, terms, it's likely the Supreme Court will not take up the Trump campaign's case. And that's it. They're not getting to the Supreme Court. They could. They might. But there's something else that might happen, something else that could give Trump Pennsylvania. But listen, man, I'm, I, I've said this over and over again. I'll, I'll cover what Trump is doing. I'll talk about what he's doing. I'll mention that some things are good or bad for Trump. But I have said it in every single video, and I have been downvoted and mocked by many hardcore Trump supporters for saying it. Joe Biden, extremely likely to be the president, astronomical odds for Trump to pull this off. Like I said, he may be on track, but it is jumping over all these obstacles. OK, hear me out. Pennsylvania justices accused of playing politics after dismissing challenge over absentee ballots. Here's what happened. A bunch of uh, Republicans filed a lawsuit saying that mail-in voting is unconstitutional. A judge agreed, but didn't rule on the merits. They issued a preliminary injunction blocking further certification of the state, including appointing electors. Huge news. This was appealed to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, who rejected it, dismissed it on the narrowest of grounds saying y'all were too late. Now, this has led to outrage among Trump supporters because they said if the Republicans filed this suit before the election, there would be no, quote, injury in fact, meaning what are you suing for? Nothing bad happened to you. So after the election, in Sean Parnell's instance, he didn't even know about it. They filed the suit and the judges say, Supreme Court, yeah, too late. Why did they pass no excuse mail-in voting? In, in uh, uh, violating their own constitution, at least it sounds like that's what the uh, original lawyer was saying a year ago, October, way before COVID. Well, some people have said it's simply because mail-in voting is so popular and many Republican states have it. And I'm like, yeah, but isn't it kind of funny? Like the excuse for all of the mail-in voting was COVID. This one state just happened to do it. OK, fine. Look, these things can happen. It was rejected by the Supreme Court, but this could potentially go. I'm sorry. It was rejected by the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania. But this could theoretically, or I mean, very likely, make its way to the federal courts. The argument is that it's unconstitutional. It seems to make sense because the Pennsylvania Constitution says, here's how absentee ballots work. And so what they did, and I mentioned this before, you may have heard it, but bear with me. When they were passing this law in Pennsylvania, the Republicans did this 
to get no excuse mail-in voting. They actually started the constitutional amendment process halfway through. They stopped and then just changed the wording. It's mail voting, not absentee, which it's basically the same thing. It's functionally the same thing. That shows they knew they were violating the Constitution. They knew they had to change it. But in order to get mail-in voting before this election, they needed to bypass the Constitution. This could potentially go to the Supreme Court of the United States. And then I think I think they'd win if it does. I mean, they're going to rule on the merits. They're going to say there's injury. In fact, they're going to say Pennsylvania's election is voided. That could theoretically happen, at least as it pertains to the presidential election. You know what, man? I just do not think anything like that is going to happen. I mean, maybe. But I tell you, when 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 when, we, when I heard the Republicans were saying they were going to appoint their own electors or they wanted to take that power back. I was like, this is big. It's good news for Trump. I mean, this could happen. Well, now we don't have the session. I just I'm sorry, man. I'm not here to pretend like Trump is going to win. He could. It's a lottery ticket. I mean, it's probably more. Well, yeah, probably a lottery ticket's chance. Trump could probably. I, I, OK, I think Trump, of all people, is the guy to do it. If you if you put up Hillary Clinton, I'd laugh like never going to happen. You put up John Kerry or Biden, never going to happen. But Biden was the favorite. And even then, I still doubted him, but said, don't underestimate him. He could probably win. Well, here we go. Often in life, you will deal with things you don't want to deal with. But it just means you need to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. I expect Donald Trump to continue fighting in every capacity. And I believe he should. Because I got another the next segment coming up, I want to talk to you about how the race is far from over. And I'm not talking about the presidential race, the election. Things are still happening. They haven't even called many House races. Now they're flipping back and forth. Judges are intervening. Something could still happen here. There could theoretically be an emergency session. And I'm telling you, man, it's crazy times. Okay, the craziest things have been happening. And I wouldn't be surprised if something truly crazy emerges and then Trump pulls out some kind of triple Hail Mary victory. But you need more than this, you know. Okay, so I'll put it this way. It may be bad news. I can't see a path forward for Trump without Pennsylvania. There's the Sean Parnell lawsuit. If it goes to the Supreme Court, it could potentially void Pennsylvania. That's big. And I think the courts would would agree because a judge already did. They just get to the didn't get to the point where they could rule on the merits because the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania rejected it on narrow terms. Too late. They did not rule on the merits, which is it's kind of gross, to be completely honest. If Joe Biden does get inaugurated and we know this about Pennsylvania's election, I mean, people are going to revolt. It's going to be nuts. Maybe you'll end up seeing Antifa and Trump supporters marching side by side, smashing things because they all hate Joe Biden. I doubt it. I don't know. Look, believe what you want to believe. Tell me I'm wrong. By all means, I'm just some guy with an opinion. Comment below. Let me know what you think. But I'm feeling like we're getting close to the end of the line, to be honest. That was huge. I got a couple more segments coming up. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. When I saw this story from Red State, I knew there was something dirty afoot. Democrats are currently stealing a House seat in New York. (gasps) No, maybe, maybe they actually are. A lot of these races haven't been called yet. And now something strange is happening. The first thing I want to do is I want to read you this article from Red State. Mind you, Red State is not NewsGuard certified, but I'm reading it for uh, to make a point. They say, while most of the focus has been on the fraud that happened in the presidential election, it's also worth worth uh, nothing that other Republicans are also getting screwed by sketchy late rushes of Democrat votes counted well after the election has ended. 
One case has become especially egregious, and it's taking place in New York. The race for NY22 has suddenly flipped to the Democrat by 13 votes. And the story behind how that happened will have you punching walls or face palming, whichever you prefer. They say, yes, a Democrat that was losing by 28,000 votes in a district race has now claimed victory by 13 votes because a Democrat judge stepped in, put his stamp of approval on enough rejected ballots to make it happen. The implications here are just insane. If a single judge can decide he gets to be the arbiter of which ballots are accepted, even if they were rightly rejected under the law, that opens nearly every close race up to to judicial meddling. In the grand scheme of things, assuming the Republican ends up losing here, one House seat is in a catastrophe. The GOP will still be well positioned to retake the chamber in 2022. But it sends a message that this kind of tampering is acceptable. Hopefully, Claudia Tenney has some other legal recourse here. Perhaps appealing this in federal court. I wouldn't begin to assert that I know all her opinions at this point. Well, let's let's stop. What's the full story from the New York Post? Upstate Democrat Brindisi pulls ahead of GOP challenger by 13 votes. They say the, the freshman Democrat now leads the Republican opponent, Claudia Tenney, by 12 or 13 votes, according to the latest tallied by local board of election officials in the district. Sources confirmed to the Post. He was down by around 28,700 votes on election night but has captured a majority of votes through mail-in ballots submitted. Well, that's just strange, isn't it? This process and the integrity of our election are critical to our republic. The judicial review has been fair, open, honest, and transparent. And I remain confident that voters' voices will be heard, wrote Bendisi in a series of tweets. In January, I will be sworn in and continue to work with both parties and stand up to anyone on behalf of all New York's 22nd district. Bendisi was down by a razor-thin 100 to 200 vote. As of Tuesday, nonetheless, the Tenney campaign disputed Brindisi's early declaration. Long story short, this comes down to a judge. A Democrat judge said, why were these rejected? I'll look at them. And then they were not rejected. It does seem like the election is being stolen. You know, but when I heard that a judge was intervening to determine which votes were allowed and which weren't, I said, what's the difference between these other stories where Republicans have had this happen? And what's the difference between a judge intervention in this instance when Donald Trump is trying to get a judge to intervene in his circumstance? Well, for the most part, on the surface, nothing. The difference, however, is that there are abnormally low rejection rates in many of these races. Republicans that are challenging these elections are saying these votes are no good. And Democrats are saying they are good. In this instance, it looks like there were normally rejected ballots that were not good. And a judge reinstated them, thus creating the exact scenario that Republicans have been complaining about. So perhaps this is what it looks like when they threw out ballots. They should have and are now trying to walk them back. If they did this in many other districts, Republicans probably would have won. Trump probably would have won. And then Joe Biden would come out and say, these shouldn't be rejected. And that's exactly what would have happened. In the end, this is what I've been talking about over and over again. This is just about power. I don't think anybody is concerned about what is or isn't truly fair. It's about power for me. I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. Everybody wants to win. And I was talking to some people and I said, "Okay, I think the rejection rates are absurd. They should be a lot higher and they're like the lowest we've ever seen. So I'll agree with you there, Republicans. But getting a judge to overturn, you know, the validity of ballots, Trump is trying to do that. They're saying these ballots are good. Trump's trying to say they're bad. They're saying these ba- these are bad. The Democrats are trying to say they're good. That's the argument right now. So what's the difference? 
And the response I get is, well, the Democrats are doing a bunch of messed up and evil things, so I'd rather have the Republican win. And I'm like, thank you. Just say it. I agree. For the most part, Republicans are bad. However, I disagree. Uh, and I'll tell you, if the elections are just a, a, a game of power and people trying to justify why they should or shouldn't be the winners, well, then I guess the only thing I can say is I'd prefer that the Republicans win as well. If the Democrats are cheating and they're playing dirty tricks, they're getting judges to rule on their behalf, then why shouldn't Repu- uh, if, if, if the Democrats are doing that, why shouldn't Republicans? That's just the name of the game, right? Well, I'll tell you what. It's a serious problem for our country. If that's how things are going, then civil war is in, is 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 um is it's guaranteed. If the only thing that's happening is people saying I demand power, give it to me or else, well then what do you think's going to end up happening? If Republicans are saying we want a recount and then they win by 6 votes, well I'll tell you, that's a normal part of the process. If a judge intervenes and approves re- rejected ballots and then says now you've won by 28,000, that sounds kind of fishy but Judges can intervene. It's a legal process. And we, we, we have that power. Um, in, we give that power to judges. So perhaps there, there will be an appeal and maybe these votes will get rejected again, but it's all part of the legal process. If both sides are willing to use any legal power to their advantage to gain power in the long run, eventually it breaks down. They're claiming that Republicans want voter suppression. I'm not convinced that just because Republicans want people removed from voter rolls or trying to suppress anybody. But the right does make a huge mistake when they keep saying there are too many. Look at all the dead people on these voter rolls. Yes, because people die. So we need to clean the voter rolls. Republicans often do that and then get accused of trying to suppress the vote. The left is trying to get the rules changed. And it's just constant, constant wars for power. You know, maybe that's the way it's always been. I mean, with Al Gore, he had that lawsuit going on in Florida for like, um, you know, 37 days or whatever. Everybody just wants to win. And I think, you know, as the saying goes, this is what the hack, people you say in the hacker community, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. The goal is to get from point A to point B. Now, regular people might get to put from point A to point B by taking this zigzagged approach. Like you got to walk on the road. You can't walk on the grass. But then you get people just walking a straight line through the grass. Maybe in the long run, it's bad for the grass. And that's the problem. You have too many people now who say it's more important to get power than it is to get power properly. So over time, you will get Democrats and Republicans going back and forth saying, I'm justified in doing this because they're evil and wrong and we, we must stop them. Where do you think that leads us? It leads us to the system breaking down entirely, to hyperpolarization and to physical conflict. And I think that's the track we are on. And we've been seeing it over and over again. This is the other story. Miller Meeks wins recount by six votes, flipping Iowa's second congressional district red. Six votes. Man, we are seeing brutal polarization and it's splitting down like very evenly. I don't know how we how we solve this problem. And I'm convinced to be not not to be pessimistic, but I'm not convinced it can be solved. Honestly, I think it is absolutely going to continue escalating down this track. I, re- I remember seeing these old videos from back in the 90s where the Democrat and Republican would be on the on the House floor, the Senate floor, and they'd be yelling at each other. And afterwards, they walk over, pat each other on the back, shake hands, and then go eat together. And I was critical of it. I was like, see, they don't really care. But you know what? No, that was a good thing. It was a good thing they would argue and then go and have dinner and talk things through. And that meant that although we had disagreements, we were still one country. We're not one country. It was the uh, CEO of Axios who said on CNN, that he was afraid there was going to be a decoupling, that the two different Americas are becoming distinct 
and they're going to be at odds with each other. And that's going to create a very, very strange world with parallel economies, parallel social media, parallel infrastructure, and potentially conflict because you've got tribes. That's it. You've got one tribe of, I mean, look, it's not even about what they believe. I can sit here and talk about policies that I think, you know, I'm left leaning on in terms of economics has no bearing on whether or not I'm left or right. People say you're right wing simply for saying there's censorship against conservatives. But that's a fact. <laughs> that's part of the culture war. You're right wing then. Okay. Even if like most of my policy positions are left, it doesn't matter. Tribal allegiance is everything. So if you say there's evidence of fraud, you're right wing. If you say there's no evidence of fraud, you're left wing. That's how the game is played right now, I guess. So in the end, you have an eclectic bunch on the right. People who disagree, they have heterodox views or they're not, not even conservatives, but they're still right wing. You have disaffected liberals, people like me. And on the left, you have monolithic thought for the most part. I mean, not really. The Democrats, the resistance types are actually aligned with Antifa. And it's the weirdest thing to see like these like socialist types align themselves with the most powerful, wealthy interests is the most psychotic thing I've ever seen. You got Bernie Sanders, the billionaires in this country. Vote for Joe Biden, who's uh, supported by the billionaires. Isn't that funny? The, the, uh, the Democrats are the party of the managerial, managerial elites and the wealthiest based on, you know, wealthy zip codes donating. People are trying to claim that that's true for Trump. It's not true for Trump. Trump does have the working class, not all, like not every single person, but there's a shift occurring. Managerial elites, college educated social justice warriors. That's Joe Biden. Billionaires, wealthy districts. That's Joe Biden. So this split, nothing seems to make sense. You'd think the left would be uh, pro-working class and anti-establishment. They're not. They're pro-corporation right now, and they've been for years. But my private business. Tribalism. It's something's, I think we're going to see something like the Troubles in Ireland. Because I've been, I think it's funny, the left is too stupid to realize this. When I made a joke about, you know, uh, uh, people demanding their land back like Ireland. And they're like, you're so dumb. And it's like, I've, I've literally been to the peace wall and like filmed the video about it. That was the joke, you daft morons. But on one side, you have, they're claiming they're, they're, Palis- they're pro-Palestinian. The other side claiming they're pro-Israel. And it's like, dude, you're in Ireland. All that matters is if you believe it, I oppose it. And that's where we are. I don't know what that means, whatever. I just think things are falling apart. We'll see. I got one more segment coming up in a few minutes. Stick around and I will see you all shortly. Joe Biden has suffered a fracture in his foot playing with his dog. And he went to the hospital. And that's uh, it is big news. I see some people saying that don't focus on the dog. Focus on the fact that Joe Biden fell down and broke his ankle before he was even president. The man clearly doesn't have the strength to lead us. I'm not super concerned about all that either. I'm not concerned about Joe Biden suffering a fracture. I know the man is weak and I know he's feckless and unable to lead a country. He's tried and lied and plagiarized. He's just not good enough to be the guy to lead this country. That's at least what I think. I don't think Trump's the greatest president we've ever had, though Trump supporters certainly do. But I certainly think Trump was way better than Joe Biden. And that was a huge reason why I was like, you gotta can't have Joe Biden, got to vote for Trump. But today we're talking about the media. The media's desperate attempt to not do their job. You see, during Trump, they were screaming. It's like, imagine walking into a room with like a hundred nine-year-olds all just crying their eyes out, screaming at the top of their lungs. That was the Trump years. And they're, they're doing this thing now where they're like, if the years of Trump was drowning in a vat of Tabasco sauce, then Joe Biden will be sipping unflavored almond milk. 
No, that's because you were whiny babies. We were annoyed by you. You were the one screaming. Trump could have done whatever he wanted. I don't care. It's you. You're the one with the media going. Bleh. What do you think the journalists are saying now? Well, let me, let me show you some stuff. Biden announces all female, female senior White House communications team. <laughs> Truly shattering the glass ceiling. Oh, wait. Kaylee McEnany tweeted that Trump currently has an all female communications team. Why aren't they writing about that? Because the, the people, the, these people, they're not journalists. They're just the PR arm for the Democratic Party. I mean, look, you got to hand it to the Democrats. They were really smart about this. They realized why bother trying to actually convince people and do battle every day with conservatives when you can just slowly get more and more loyalists at mainstream news outlets to claim they're good, honest journalists who just want to bring you the truth. When in fact, they're propagandists who are now going, what are we going to write about? Let me show you. Now, Derek Thompson isn't the worst. I've used his articles before. I think he's OK. But look what he says. Here's here's a story. They say why Biden's broken foot reveals how different his White House will be. And Derek says, I'm not sure we are prepared for just how boring the day to day of American politics is about to become. Twenty nine. Here's another tweet. Twenty nineteen. The president has extra legally ordered a government investigation of SNL for a bad skit, attacked General Motors and called for jailing of several political opponents in the last 90 minutes on Twitter. Twenty twenty one. What this photo of Biden's dog tells us about his managing style. You see, what Derek is really telling us is that mainstream and large news outlets don't do their jobs when Democrats are in office. My friends, I would like to show you some uh, news. Why would they pretend that Joe Biden's uh, presidency would be boring? We've got top cop Kamala Harris who locked up people uh, for, for, you know, uh, well, threatened to lock up people because their kids were truant, homeless moms. She kept people in jail longer than they should have been to use them as cheap labor to fight fires on behalf of the state. And you got Joe Biden, who was VP during the Obama administration. If anything, it is going to be the most authoritarian, despotic, nightmarish and failure of a, of a, of a, of a presidential administration we will have ever seen. Because I can give it to Barack Obama and I've given him credit for this before. The man's charismatic. He knows how to talk. He knows how to take charge. He knows how to deflect. He did a good job of it, even though the man was a despot. And what do you think we're going to get with Joe Biden? Probably the same thing because he's stacking up his transition team and cabinet picks with all of these people. They announced Neera Tandon or whatever her name is, is going to be the uh, potentially the OM uh, Office of Management and Budget Director or something. And it's just like, this lady's nuts. She's a, she's a Russia Gator conspiracy loon. But listen, Joe Biden is bringing back Obama 2.0 and we all know it. So why is the media acting like it's going to be like sipping unflavored almond milk? No, 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 no. If Donald Trump's presidency is like drowning in a vat of Tabasco sauce, then the Barack Obama presidency was would be like walking around when all of a sudden you heard a buzzing and then a ghost pepper fired from the air and smacked you right in the mouth, went down your throat and you started gagging and choking on it. That was the Obama presidency. Journalists. The first thing I want to show you is a scandal. You want to talk about scandal? Donald, the president extra legally ordered a government investigation. Oh, Trump's tweeting like an idiot. He didn't order anything. He tweeted something dumb. Talk about scandals. Welcome to the Abdul Rahman Alalaki scandal. Check this out. 
Abdurrahman Alalaki was a 16-year-old American of Yemeni descent who was killed while eating dinner at an outdoor restaurant in Yemen by a drone strike ordered by Barack Obama on October 14, 2011. Abdurrahman Alalaki's father, Anwar Alalaki, was, a, was, a, was alleged to be an operational leader of al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula. Anwar was killed by a CIA drone strike, also ordered by Obama two weeks prior to his, the killing of his son. We weren't at war with Yemen. Why did Obama do this? Why did he blow up a civilian restaurant killing a 16-year-old American citizen from Denver, Colorado? Oh, because his dad was accused of being a part of Al-Qaeda. You know, a lot of people thought about this when this happened. They said it sounds like Obama was sending a message that if you are a terrorist and you oppose the American empire, we will kill your kids. That was the message sent loud and clear. Obama said it was an accident. We were targeting somebody else in a country we weren't at war at. We were targeting someone else, apparently, in a country we weren't at war with and who would have been eating at a civilian restaurant. Obama is a lunatic. This is psychotic. It is despotic. It is fascistic. Tell me why you think the Joe Biden presidency is going to be, oh, Joe Biden fumbled with his dog because you don't do your jobs. That's why. See, back in the day, we had a left. We had like Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald, who have now basically jumped off of these mainstream platforms dominated by the establishment and now functioning on their own. But they were the targets of the state and they're not conservatives. Well, Matt Taibbi, less much. Glenn Greenwald literally had his his uh, it was his boyfriend at the time. Now his husband was detained in the UK. He's the guy who published the NSA leaks. And I'm not I, I've got criticisms of Glenn Greenwald. I've criticized him in the past, but he's certainly better than whatever it is these people are doing. Welcome to James Risen. The Obama administration is the greatest enemy of press freedoms. These people in the news industry, you know what they realized? Because Barack Obama prosecuted more whistleblowers and leakers under the Espionage Act than all other presidents combined. And he even went after journalists. And so these pathetic losers were like, I better kiss the dirty feet of these people lest they come after me. Hey, the good news is Donald Trump will call us the enemy of the people. And that's about it. He might ban your press credentials, but he's not going to lock you up. You know who will? Joe Biden. So these people are quickly falling in line, dropping to their knees and saying, please tell me what to do because I have no spine. I remember there was one tweet. It went viral. They were like, remember when the only scandal during the Obama administration was that he wore a tan suit? <laughs> a tan suit. A tan suit. And, you know, NSA surveillance, the whole Edward Snowden thing, the emergence of Black Lives Matter. Oh, yeah, all that stuff. Uh, getting us entangled in new wars, uh, uh, getting U.S. troops involved in Syria, uh, no-fly zones over Libya, the reemergence of the North African slave trade. Can I go on, please? Barack Obama was awful. And I've always been a center-left individual, and I voted for the man. And I'll tell you why it makes me so angry is because I was tricked into voting for the man. I didn't vote for him a second time. Not in 2012. And now these journalists are seemingly derelict of duty the moment Joe Biden gets elected. Now they're saying, oh, it's going to be nothing. It's going to be candy cane, Skittles and rainbows. It'll be like sipping unflavored almond milk. Yeah, I'll tell you, sipping unflavored almond milk. That's what they're going to be saying to you as the ghost peppers or the Carolina Reapers fly into your eye sockets and you scream in agony. That's what it's like. I remember reading an article about what it was like under Obama when you when you were in the Middle East. And, and yes, truth be told, under Trump as well. I'm not a fan of anybody pulling off this stuff that you'd be a civilian. 
carrying buckets of water to feed your goats or whatever. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful. I'm saying many of these people are just civilian farmers of limited means. And then you hear the buzzing and then you don't know when the hellfire is going to rain down on you. That was the Obama administration. And I was critical of Trump when he fired missiles into Syria and when he upped drone strikes. But he's done better over the past few years. I can criticize Trump whenever I want when I, when I talk about this stuff. But I'll point out that the media, they love it when Trump does this stuff. Is this, the, is this Trump truly being presidential when he fired 59 Tomahawk missiles into Syria? That's what they want. They want it to rain blood. These people are sick and the journalists are the ones that help them. The journalists are the ones that allow them to keep doing what they do, because when Donald Trump so much as farts, they'll scream in his face, the top of their lungs. But when Joe Biden starts rebuilding the Obama administration's team, bringing these individuals back on, they say, Ed's just going to be old, boring Obama again. They're going to talk about his dog. That's what they're doing. I think he's getting a cat, too, or something like that. Yeah, there's one thing that Joe Biden might be good at. It's, you know, holding the hand of timid and, and, and terrified babies who cry and need someone to just tell them it'll be all right. Because that's what Joe Biden is. It's time to come together. And, and come on, man. And they're like, oh, Joe Biden. But Donald Trump is like, the radical left in this country will burn down your house. And he's abrasive. And so these people are crying and they're begging Joe Biden to come and hold their hand. Well, now they're going to get it. And he's going to be holding their hand and smiling at him and winking. And then he's going to be signing off on what's called the disposition matrix with his left hand. I don't know if he's left handed or whatever. But that was that was colloquially known as the kill list. Obama would be given a list of cards, apparently like baseball cards with stats. And he'd say, blow that guy up and uh, blow that guy up. And uh, you know what? Uh, blow them all up. Uh, America, we got to blow up all these people. And uh, this one is an American citizen. Got to blow him up, too. Uh, he's a kid. But we'll, we'll keep blowing up kids. That was the America under Obama. Trump maybe could have ch- turned things around. He hired a bunch of dumb people. And that's, that's on him. Absolutely. Hiring Bolton was a st- one of the stupidest things anybody could ever have done. But he did. And uh, he did better in the past few years. I'm si- I-, I think the media is trash in this country. And it's no secret. Whatever. You get the point. They're going to they're, they're 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 now basically telling us they plan on doing nothing to cover what Joe Biden is. I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt. I've been ragging on the media nonstop. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tomorrow at 10 a.m. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then.